Hello and welcome again to our unraveled, untamed, and a new name, Reframed. I've chosen to switch the title um, because it just wasn't sitting well. It just didn't feel authentic to me. And um, because to be quite honest, I still am wrestling with some shame that I need to work through. And so I'm not unshamed, as our first episode stated. And, you know, one of my major goals for this podcast is to be able to reframe my experiences. I can either choose to wallow in the yuck or I can look for the good in them and look for the lessons and the gifts and reframe that for myself and share it with our listeners and um, maybe get you thinking of some things that you might be holding on to and not seeing the light and the good and the joy that can be wrapped up within all the mess of our situations. So the new title of the podcast is Unraveled, Untamed, and Reframed. So welcome to <laughs> season one, episode two. Jill Du Bois is joining me again today. I'm grateful for you to be here. Thank you. Hello. It is my pleasure. I love the new name too, which was just sprung on me. Yeah. A surprise. Few ago. <laughs> Hope you're okay with it. I love it. Yeah. Reframing is one of my favorite words. So. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, you know, all of those words in the title are, are buzzy. Yeah. You know, everybody's using them, but it's for a reason. It's to grab your attention because. You know, we've got some important things to talk about and important things yeah. to share. So, <clears throat> hence the name change. Um, it just felt feels more authentic to me. So, in the first episode, we kind of tiptoed and scratched the surface <laughs> because I think we're both a little hesitant. Um, yeah. For our listeners, we really haven't had a whole lot of conversation outside of this podcast there's no real preparation that we do together it's just this mutual trust that we have and totally i think that's unscripted completely unscripted completely yeah but i think there it, there has to be a mutual trust mm -hmm. there in that you know we may not believe 100 percent the same which we don't mm -hmm. But we also love each other and can get to that level of, hey, I'm going to share this with you. And it may be a little risky and it may be um, a little scary, but I trust you enough mm -hmm. that you're not going to rip me to shreds over it or, <laughs> or <laughs> add any more shame. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you again. Um, I think I feel very comfortable with you in the room and comfortable talking about some hard stuff, which we're definitely going to be getting into today. Uh, <clears throat> just want to remind our listeners, we are not here to offend, not here to convince. We are sharing our experiences. If you're bothered, I invite you to do one of two things. Change the podcast or ask yourself why my story makes you uncomfortable. Um, Jill, please jump in. Yeah. Like whenever. 
I no, I was just kind of like waiting. I'm like, we're look, we're sitting across from each other, looking at each other, and I'm like, this is really good. Like, but where is it going? Because we are unscripted. Right. Jill doesn't know what I'm going to talk about. She's very, but, very. She doesn't know quite how brave she is. But trust me, she's very brave for sitting down across from me today. No, it's good. And you know, like you said, we didn't really have much conversation. I want to say we didn't have much conversation outside of recording that last podcast. Correct. Other than you know, we got we're pretty quick at texting. We're pretty <laughs> agile texters. Yes. So. And, you know, just a few little things. I think we just kind of shot back and forth to kind of spur on some additional thoughts and reflections. So I think that's maybe what said, hey, you know what? Let's talk some more because I don't think we're done. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So last week we talked about how we were raised pretty similarly, uh, both in a Southern Baptist church and how we were not really given an opportunity to choose what our faith or our beliefs uh, were uh, as children and young adults, really. Um, It took us a long time to kind of hone in on what we believed instead of just buying into our parents and uh, the people that surrounded us for decades, right? We were given beliefs as though They were facts, and we were not allowed to question, Mm. and we didn't for a long, long time. A a huge portion of our lives, we did not question. I shouldn't speak for you. I'll say I did not question for a a long time. No, I didn't either. I think because you, you know, when you're growing up in a solid foundation of a home, and I know a lot of people don't have that foundation, but you grow up solid and you know your parents love you and you trust them and you you know you look and they're up good to people them and you yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely and they're they well-respected people yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. they don't think they're doing anything wrong right yeah so but, yeah, we we bought trust. it we bought it and we bought it until it didn't work anymore mm-hmm. and we both had arrived there on different trains mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, very different trains. So, to say the least, uh, this week we're gonna we're gonna dig a little deeper. In, in my f- reflections and planning for this episode, I thought about when I was eighteen, and I I just started questioning. I was certainly rebelling. But I didn't even know what I was rebelling against. I was just really rebelling to rebel. Um, But certainly I was a racist homophobe. um, Absolutely, 100%. um, Which (laughs) is horrible to even think about myself as that person um, at, at this stage in life. Maybe it wasn't such a, um, like, you really didn't even know it. It was an unconscious bias, for sure. Yeah. Because that's, again, that's the way we grew up. That's the culture we grew up in. Right. And it wasn't even, I know for for us, it wasn't, our family, it wasn't, like, a serious racial thing or a serious homophobe thing. It was almost like it was just, like, joked about. 
Definitely. You know. A lot of sarcasm, a lot of, of joking. Yeah, lots of nicknames. Yes. And it it was just, it wasn't ever something you talked about. It was something you joked about yeah. or made derogatory comments yeah. about. And certainly uh, less than. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Right? Yeah. Um, so in, in those, in thinking about that, I thought about the smallness of my world at that yeah. stage. And in actuality, it was the small, the smallness of my parents' world as I had not yet grown into my adult self. Mm. I was angry, judgmental, elitist, upper middle class white brat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I only believed in the world that I was exposed to. White, Christian, elitist. Hallelujah. (laughs) That was me. (laughs) 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 Yeah. It makes me want to gag. Same. I thought about the many contradictions that I was just supposed to accept as fact or faith. The church that I was a part of has gone through so many doctrinal changes, even in my lifetime. Um, anyone want to take a guess why there are Southern Baptists and Northern Baptists? Jill, anyone I in the know. room? I don't know. And I, aren't there, I think they're independent Baptists. Sure. Yeah. But there was a split. But yeah, I don't know that. Yeah. Tell um, me, tell me about it. Slavery. The Southern Baptists um, cited Bible texts in support of owning humans. Uh, Yeah. hmm. And so they separated themselves. Wow. And the Southern Baptist Convention that we know today was formed in 1845 by white supremacists. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Let that, let that sink in for a moment. Wow. The Southern Baptist Convention was formed in 1845 by white supremacists. Mm. And it's still around. Yeah. H.H. Mm-hmm. H. Tucker, the prominent editor of the Christian Index in the 1880s, stated, We do not believe that all men are created equal, as the Declaration of Independence Mm -hmm. declares them to be, nor that they will ever become equal in this world. That hurts my heart. Absolutely. No wonder why there's still so much division. I mean, it's not like, oh, hey, we got over it. Let's be friends. This is like deeply rooted. Those are those tangled root Messes underground that yeah. we don't ever see or talk about anymore. Right. Hmm. Okay, that was, you know, 1800s. Hall pass? I mean, you think about the world at that time, the country was very split. Yeah, but... How about the late 1970s? <laughs> Even more split. <laughs> <laughs> Almost 100 years after that repulsive statement was made in the name of the church was still going on. The church that I went to as a little girl did not allow people of color to attend. This church excluded 
marginalized and dehumanized people based on skin pigmentation designed beautifully by their creator. Hmm. Um, I mean, I, my Southern Baptist Church, I don't remember them not being able to come to church, but I remember there not being any. Yeah. Um, even in the school that I went to, there there just weren't. Right. Um, maybe a few. I know my sister, bless her heart, I mean, she was the one who loved everybody and drew everybody into her, and she had, I remember one of her best friends was a sweet black girl, and they just, they didn't care who talked about them. Mm-hmm. They didn't care who made fun of them or that was that was hard. That was hard for her. I remember it was how, how hard it was for her and difficult it was for her to make other friends. Yeah. And that was probably late 80s. That's what I mean. 80s. It wasn't that long no. ago. Mm-mm. We're not talking about the 1800s. <laughs> no. Did your family have anybody working for them <clears throat> that was of color? No. Yours? My grandmother yeah. did. Yeah. Her name was Gracie. Mm. Remember, she was our, she was her maid. Mm. And, uh, but I just, I loved her. Like, she was like a grandmother to me. Yeah. And I used to play with her granddaughter. She taught me how to iron my grandfather's handkerchiefs. Mm. Spring, take a Sprite <laughs> bottle and put a little metal <laughs> salt shaker top on it and fill it with water and sprinkle the handkerchief with oh water. Oh, my and gosh. Iron it and sweet lady that's cool she'd sing hymns and to me like you know as marginalized and as hated and mistreated as those people were they were the church they Absolutely. were the ones who stuck to their faith and hold true held true to yeah what they they never gave up right their faith and their yeah. beliefs mm-hmm. despite you know what you know horrible things were happening yeah. in the world yeah So fast forward for me, when I was around uh, 30, before I publicly came out, while I was having my first experiences with women, the church hired me to do a history. I poured through documents for several months and learned some very interesting things. First off, our church was formed in 1866 about a year, almost to the day, after Lincoln was shot. Huh. Yeah. As I read through the minutes, they had handwritten minutes yeah, in these say, documents. Yeah, get all these? Yeah, it was unbelievable. Wow. It, was, it was really interesting. As I read through those minutes and the handwritten notes, they talked about uh, warning other parishioners of panthers in the area. And to bring their rifles. What? Yeah, as they walked in, yeah, to, walked into church. Yeah, Panthers. Whoa. Now, we live in the most densely populated county in Florida. Probably hasn't seen a Panther in 100 100 years, maybe. Yeah, that was fascinating. As I sifted through the artifacts that documented all the many changes that had taken place throughout that church's existence, the uh, one what struck me was 
the different generations were raised and to believe certain facts and then that doctrine would change Mm -hmm. you know sometimes in the next generation whereas how confusing that must have been and no wonder families would fight and the reason why we still fight it's all these doctrinal changes that churches cling on to um, and decide to make their hill right mm-hmm. um so that's again it's not new like we went through mm-hmm. it's just different sets of facts that were taught that really aren't facts their beliefs right yeah that's, how, that's a good way to describe it mm-hmm. um you know back to the race card again how confusing one generation the color people of color are property Mm. next generation nope not property anymore they're people Um, are women allowed to be leaders in the church (laughs) this is still up for debate amongst (laughs) right yeah still in 2022 still and I have a very good friend who her husband is like the senior pastor and she's like the associate pastor and she she speaks all the time mm-hmm. and I love it mm-hmm. like and why not why shouldn't she yeah there is nothing preventing her from having the same message that needs to come out her voice is just as important yeah um yeah it's, it's still I think it's still crazy mm-hmm. how that that hasn't progressed in however many years and who who says you know a group of elders group of deacons yeah. supposedly who are supposed to be in control or mm-hmm. is it oh, really they're co- yeah they're in control or is it just one person ah good point the puppet master of right you know that group that is supposedly leading mm. i don't know it's different everywhere yeah you've you've been on the yeah. inside of multiple yeah facilities and it usually feels like there's one guiding force mm-hmm. that is controlling the direction of where that bus is going. Yeah. There's one driver. One driver. Bus full of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they take a vote, present it to the driver, and then the driver makes the ultimate Pretty much. decision. Yeah. That's how most are set up. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Around that same time period, maybe a couple years apart, the church was planning a mission trip to Guatemala. I had two toddlers at home and did not have the financial means to go. I was called by the missions director, offering to hire me to go on the trip and put together a video to be shown on our return to raise funds for future trips. I had never been away from my kids for that long, and it really terrified me. I eventually decided to go, and it was life change. It was a life changing experience. Really, it was unbelievable. Um, getting outside of the U.S. Yeah. Encourage anybody 
to travel. Definitely. It, it's not just a cliche. Like, it really does change you. Yeah. And not to travel to the Sandals resorts. Right. Yeah. Get out. <laughs> Get down and dirty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In the riverbed with the, uh, yeah, right. squatters. Stepping into a third world country mm-hmm. will undoubtedly change your outlook mm-hmm. forever. Yeah. We don't see poverty and hunger here like mm-hmm. that. We just yeah. don't. Even with all of the mass shootings in our country, we're still pretty safe when we go to the grocery store. We don't have to enter through gates with armed guards with, you know, AK-47s or whatever they are, just to be able to get into the parking lot when we hit up Target. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Two armed guards at the gates. Our neighborhoods and homes do not have eight foot, sometimes 10 foot concrete block walls surrounding them. I mean, these homes in not affluent, maybe they were affluent for there, but I mean, concrete block, like a fortress they have to have to keep around their homes in just a regular neighborhood. (laughs) Or they don't. Or they don't. And I'm sure... And sometimes are forced out and have to find another place to live just because somebody else wants to to live there. We don't typically see humans with physical deformities so serious that they sometimes don't even look human Mm -hmm. begging on street corners everywhere. Mm -hmm. You don't, we don't see that. I can't believe we haven't talked about this. This is going on mission trips. Yeah. Yeah. It's still it's still hard to process sometimes when I think back. You know how there's some memories like you can remember things like happy times, like vacations and mm-hmm. things that you did when you were younger, but those things that you see that are disturbing and those things that really eat away at your soul, mm-hmm. you remember. Absolutely. Like, I can remember so many details about going on mission trips yeah um and just yeah the poverty mm-hmm. the the illness i remember just the people who were sick and dying and had no way to get to a hospital yeah. or no access to a doctor or medicine and you know coming back the next year to see if they were still around and they weren't wow. you know it's like wow so where were you this was in Jamaica. Okay. Well, we were in a, we, we had left, when we left one church, we went to work for a mission organization, actually, and we traveled for a good year, hmm. um, taking groups to Jamaica, um, Costa Rica, Brazil, uh, Bahamas, but by far, there were some, there were some pretty rough places. Mm-hmm. It wasn't cushy by any means and all of those places are cruise destinations yeah and when you get off the ship and you see all the pretty stuff and it's great in the water and they tell you don't go beyond da 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 yeah there's a reason yeah right because it gets scary when you get off the plane in montego bay Mm -hmm. and you drive two hours the other way and get to little place where you have to go into a a nursing home and you know 
it's just it's horrid. You, like you would there where there's no standard for living out there. Right. So it's yeah. But yeah, it's haunting. It is. It is Very absolutely. Haunting. We um when we were in Guatemala worked for a week at an orphanage cleaning up and painting their the schoolhouse so that the girls could learn to read and write to be able to hopefully grow up and support mm-hmm. themselves. Um, you know, I had one experience. You, you were fortunate enough or maybe not yeah. fortunate enough to, to go back. I didn't have that opportunity. So, But those kids, girls, women's phases, are, they're, they're burned in my memory. I, mean, I can mm-hmm. still recall their little faces. Yeah. I mean, as soon as we got there and walked onto the property it was like hugs and paint my nails and you know we had mm-hmm. gifts for them and mm-hmm. you know what I mean they like smothered us um yeah but wow yeah I mean, you just want to leave everything you have with them yeah like definitely um they say have nothing nothing they have nothing and you know and it's it's hard because when they Here's the other side of that, though. You know, it's like we want we go in there and we, you know, bring groups that help and that paint and mm-hmm. do construction. And they're so, so, so grateful. I mean, for anything that we can give them. But then and there's this great book called Helping Without Hurting mm. because there are so many organizations that go in and give, 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 give. But the people don't, in you know, they can't give anything back, you know. Right. So you give to them. What are they going to expect next time you show up? Right. That, oh, we're going to get something from that. Yeah. You know, so they, there's this whole weird dynamic of they expect so much from Americans who are coming over. Right. Well, what am I going to get? What are they going to give me? Yeah. And they can turn pretty, I can turn pretty ugly. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, then you see they're, gosh, well, it's just because they don't have anything. Exactly. But it's neat to see now things are kind of turning around and organizations are starting to go hey well we can teach them skills Mm -hmm. we can show them how to sew we can provide them with fabric you know to make clothes Mm -hmm. or to you know make jewelry that they can go and sell in the markets yeah you know so you know hopefully things get a little bit better there but yeah it's Mm -hmm. it's a weird dynamic yeah for sure so when I got home from Guatemala um, the church that hired me and paid me to go to film and make a video for a fundraiser. Um, they never asked to see the video. And I called my contact there, the director of missions, and I let her know, you know, the video was ready. She kind of brushed it off. Didn't say, okay, you can drop it off or I'll come pick it up or anything. I had spent countless hours editing and away from my family to get this project completed and nobody cared to see it. I could not understand why. Why would the church pay for my trip and ask me to do all this work for them and then not want the finished product? I found out years later that my parents secretly paid for this trip because they were worried about my marriage 
-hmm. and about my salvation. So I was scammed into going on a mission trip. I was lied to by my parents and by the church and conned into leaving my family and travel into a pretty dangerous environment. Wow. I could sit in that. Years later? Years later. Okay. I could sit in that anger mm -hmm. and be really pissed about it. Mm -hmm. And I could let that simmer and eat me alive, right? Yeah, yeah. And I did for a little bit, <laughs> for sure. I think that's part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. So here's where the reframed comes into play. What an amazing opportunity I was given. Yeah. I had received fresh eyes and a kinder heart because of this experience. I now understood what a gift it is to be born in a country with such vast wealth to be able to provide medical care during pregnancy. We don't see these types of deformities in the U.S., right? I mean, I don't know what it was like when you were in your places, but the yeah. deformities of the, hu of the bodies yeah. of the people, yeah. like, have you ever seen anything no. like that in no. the U.S.? I, I couldn't even. I remember that was the what they called the nursing home, yeah. and it, it wasn't a nursing home. It was just a place where they put the unwanted people yeah that were yeah horrible to look at yeah and yeah yeah I, c I couldn't even walk through there yeah hmm. so that was my reframing of mm. that situation moving on to the next when I finally got up the courage to live as I was created, a gay woman, if you need to put me in a box, I was directly threatened by the current pastor's wife. She said, and I quote, If you make this choice, I will do everything in my power to separate you from your children. What? Face to face. I thought you were going to say, like, from your husband. I was like, well, that's kind of the intent here. <laughs> but your kids? Yeah. Why? 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 Because I was not a good mom at that point. Yeah, what? Or was I abusing them? Why? No. Huh. Hmm. When I told my parents that I was gay, my mom glared at me with such hate and disgust I could actually feel it in my bones I had never been looked at in such a way she promised me that I would lose everything job friends family church her own fear was cast over me like a dark spell mm -hmm. my dad immediately jumped up from his chair hugged me and said I don't understand it but I love you mm -hmm. 
A few minutes later, after receiving his own blazing stare from my mother, said, why can't you just sleep in separate bedrooms like your mom and I do? (laughs) (laughs) That is the truth. (laughs) That is the truth. And I looked at him and I was like, dad, I'm 30 years old. My husband at the time was 33. Like, how unfair (laughs) to ask him, either one of us, really. But that's all he knew. Your dad was the peacemaker. Oh, 100%. 100%. When I came out to my sister, she sat me down face to face and told me that I would never be welcomed in her home or near her children. We're talking about, this wasn't that long ago, right? We're talking about like 90s? Uh, we're not talking about the 1800s. No, we're talking about the 2000s. Not a Renaissance child. We're talking about like <laughs> 2007. Wow. So I don't have to tell you or our listeners that these situations were, at the time, excruciating. Mm-hmm. My reframe. For the first time in my young, elitist, white girl life, I understood just a little what it means to feel excluded, marginalized, and ostracized for the way I was designed. I have extreme gratitude for this gift. I could now begin to have compassion and empathy. And for the first time in my life, I had true peace. Good word. Yeah. I said last time. I um, I think that word reframe is perfect. Yeah. Um. It's not, oh, I'm looking at it differently now, or I'm changing. In, no, this is reframing it, is tape, taking the same picture, but putting it in a different frame. Right. So you're not changing the composition of the picture at no. all. You're just changing what it's held in. Yeah. And how I talk about it, because mm-hmm. words matter, mm-hmm. you know, and how I think about it. Because thoughts matter. Right. How am I thinking about things? How am I talking about yeah. things? That's how you set you have things to. in motion. And yeah. Why we never talked about, like, why did we never talk about reframing? Why did we never talk about mindset? And, you know, we do that with our students now. Any teacher, you right. walk into any teacher's classroom and you're going to hear growth mindset. You're going to hear, I can, we yeah. can, you can. It's not, you know, I mean, I used to teach my kids. It's like, oh, man, I made a mistake. Okay, well, next time I'm going to do better <laughs> or I'm going to try again. Right. Yeah, you're going to make mistakes. Yeah, you're going to fail. We right. all do. Right. And then you got those parents. You have that one quarter of the parents that go, Mm-mm, they're not allowed to fail. Yeah. They can't. Call them jackhammer parents. <laughs> it used to be, what, lawnmower parents? Yeah. Helicopter parents. Yeah. Now there's jackhammer parents. They're, They're going to force it. Yeah. 
There's I hadn't heard that one. Nothing that's gonna come between me and this jackhammer. Yeah, I'm gonna totally annihilate everything and get what I want. Yeah. So I think the last thing I want to talk about, um, and I have, I have not put a whole lot of thought into this. So if I ramble, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just passed uh, 35 days of sobriety and um you know i'm getting all of the the feels back because when you drink or drug or whatever it is that soothes you it keeps you locked in this fog Mm -hmm. and it certainly numbs the pain but it also numbs the joy Mm -hmm. And I was missing out on joy for years and years because the pain was too much. I didn't know how to process. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to reframe. Yeah. I didn't want to reframe. Um, So I just numbed and What was that defining point for you when you went, I'm done? You know, um, I had been thinking about it for a little while, and alcohol was just, I had told myself that it's just a part of my personality. Mm. Like, I really enjoy beer. I I mean, I really do. I honestly, I like the flavor. I really enjoy it, and it's been a part of most of my life, and I... I tied it to my personality, but I did that with my words. I told myself that. Mm-hmm. And it had just, you know, they, alcohol is a progressive disease. Alcoholism is a progressive disease. And it had just progressed to a point where my brain wasn't functioning right. Yeah. And simple tasks, I was starting to have to, like, really think about and talk myself through steps like all right we're coming up to a red light we need to place our foot on the brake and Mm. not quite to that extreme but but yeah kind of getting there um things that should be very easy recalling passwords and things like that yeah that i had punched in a million times i would have to like uh what what is that again great gotta reset it now yeah yeah (laughs) Um, so I think I got to the point of being so pissed off that my mind wasn't working, Mm. that that was the shift for me. Um, so I, do I think I was quote out of control and my life was unmanageable? No, thankfully it didn't get to that point. Um, was I addicted? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I certainly, it was an everyday affair for me. I used to make myself wait until 6.30 because then I had, you know, a good two or three hours to drink and then I'd go to sleep. Um, I rarely got hangovers. So, you know, I don't know. That's my story. But it was, it came down to brain function for me. But I, it definitely, about two weeks into being sober, I was flooded with the feels 
and I remembered, oh, this is why you drink. Mm -hmm. This is why, right here. And so I've just drowned myself in podcasts and switched all my social media to sobriety groups and writing writing yeah I've been writing a lot um and it's your brain is working just fine my brain what I've read. <laughs> well thank you uh yeah been writing a lot and working on the the podcasts yeah. and yeah the just clarity you know, Man. and the simplicity yeah, that comes with that. Yeah, for sure. And reframing is not just reframing sobriety. It's reframing everything. Yeah. You know, it's emotionally, mentally, physically. That one reframe changes your whole life. It was, it was big, especially when I had worked alcohol into mm -hmm. pretty much every aspect of my life except my day job. Mm -hmm. Literally everything that Kimmy and I do or did, mm -hmm. we somehow managed to crack a few beers yeah. with camping, being out on the water, dinners every mm -hmm. night, friends over, pool time. <laughs> cantina <laughs> yeah yeah so um I remember when you said um that you were starting that Facebook group the savvy sobriety Facebook group mm -hmm. and I remember like well why you know what's <laughs> because I don't like that version of me and it's not aligning with the goals that I have for the collab yeah and that that hit me. Really? Because I'm like, that. you've aligned it with something else. It's yeah. not just a personal thing. Right. It's, this is my expression. This is our community. This yeah. is our, you know, a place where people can come and feel safe yes. and loved and, and welcomed. How do I want them to do that? How do I want to make them feel? If where it's always about the social aspect and everybody bring your own beer and right. let's drink, right? You know that's different. That's it's like a bar, exactly. And if you're not wanting this to be a bar type atmosphere, which it most definitely is not, um, like I just commend you for that because I think that's that's huge. That's Thank not you. just you. Your unselfishness is extending. You know it's extending beyond you and to everyone you're trying to impact right. and influence. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's big. Yeah. But. It just, yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. I had forgotten about that, yeah. <laughs> that piece, but it is, it is important. Um, I think that's the most important thing is being authentically ourselves. Mm -hmm. And when something doesn't feel right, you know, in your gut, or you get a tightness, or an uneasy, or in your shoulders, or, yeah, you know, whatever, however that comes across in your body, um, in your mind, pay attention and listen to that, yeah. and, you know, that's a, that's a sign, um, and it's so hard for people to be authentic, because of many reasons, um, but just, Fear. It's a world of conformity, yeah, really, that we fear. live in, and yeah, it's a fear of being, uh, yeah, of being different and outside. And, and I don't care anymore. I really don't. Yeah, 
I, I mean, I'm honestly, when I used to hear people say, I don't care what people think. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> like, I really yeah. don't. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, who I am is who I am. And it's so freeing. It really is. I mean, I've not changed. I, I don't, you know. But I, every day I try and work on becoming a better version of myself that I love more. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because you have to love yourself before you can love anybody else. Absolutely. Um, and then sharing that with other people. Be a voice that everybody's voice ma- makes a difference. Um, I, th- I think there was something that happened this week. I follow a global organization that talks about mental health and um, they were sending out all their t-shirts this week and I got mine yesterday and it just literally says mental health matters Yeah, on the front of it. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. Yeah. That's it. And I instantly just went on and did a quick TikTok because I thought, you know what? It does matter. And 100%. it doesn't matter where you are as a person, who you are, what pronoun you use. We all have a story and a storm. Hmm. And we have to be willing to listen to each other. Right. We have to be willing to lean in and be understanding. Christina, you and I are as different, <laughs> I mean, as different can be. But like you said in the beginning, I mean, we respect one another. Mm-hmm. We love one another. Mm-hmm. I mean, y'all can't see us, but we are looking <laughs> at each other <laughs> across the table. And we don't break eye contact. Yeah. You know, it's like there's... Yeah. There's something very deep about having community and building relationships together despite your differences. Yeah. So, all right, stepping off of that soapbox. Man, that was a good one. (laughs) I knew you were going to ask for a last word, so. (laughs) That was your last word? (laughs) Close to it. All right. Well, that was great. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, Thank you to our listeners. Please. Please, if this meant something to you, share it, like it, review us, subscribe, do all the things on social that you know how to do, and then comment. Do some more. Yeah. Oh my goodness. From that last one, sorry, I just interrupted. Yeah. I'm just like it. Those comments that you shared with me, people Mm -hmm. that were like, "Oh my gosh, I needed to hear this." Yeah. I I think there's a lot of us out there that you know. Y'all share. Share with us. Please. Yeah. Please. Please. Please share um please like and follow the collab studios um, we've got tons of events coming up really cool stuff that we're doing here love to have you be a part of it bring a friend um, and come check out this safe peaceful place that we've created here and i'd love to meet you and that's it unless you have a last 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 oh, word man. Okay, good. All right, we're ending it there. All right, everybody. Peace out.